This episode is brought to you by Ooh, Mercury Retrograde, child. Lord have mercy. That bitch. Taking care of all your fucked up communication needs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She always comes when no one invited her. Not one single person. Shit. Well, fuck you, Mercury Retrograde. Holla. Let's get this bitch started. Hold up, wait a minute. Take a load off. How you feeling? If you're looking for a place to work through it, well, you found it. No days off. We for real, for real get to paint in here and like make it more comfortable. It's gonna be cute. I mean, it's it already looks great. It's really cool, cool. but you know, the, like the interesting thing is that I'm thinking about it like long term, just for you know being a struggling artist out here in in these streets. About like just turning this whole room into a space that we can like. I don't know what the fuck is going who on. Who calling us? I don't know, but they are rude as fuck. Can you mute? Are you? How do you mute your computer? As in, so nobody, it, it won't bring in any sounds? Yeah, because that's what just happened. Like, my phone is fine because it's on silent, but it came through my computer, too. Oh, damn. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could put it on mute. Because you know how so you know how the iPhone shit is all connected and iCloud and iTunes, iTouch, iNuts, all of that shit? I didn't connect mine to, to but, my So now every time my phone rings, my computer ring. Well, I just put it on... Um, I just muted the Thank sound. Thank you, because I don't want nobody interrupting our motherfucking podcast. I, yeah, we can't have that, but I don't know if it if it'll work. Hopefully, for real. it will. But I was saying that yes. I was thinking about like you know we could make it to like a like a beautiful studio so that we can like make it. That's a what studio. I, said. I mean, because I because said that before. Yes, no, we. I mean, you know, that's our dream. I know. So that's why I'm like, saying like I can't wait until our fullest dream of this space is actually. You know, because I mean, we're doing baby steps because I will say, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Everybody out there, we sound pretty good. Mm -hmm. So we can only get better. Yeah. You know, and then I think even like if we had things where we like put some like if we can hide some of like the um, chords Chords and but the soundproofing. Oh, I don't know about that. But, you know, because it's like a nook. So you can like put it like in the curtains and like stuff that, you know what I mean? It just can't be ugly. That's what I'm saying. That's why we got to be creative. Of course, it's not going to be ugly. So why not? Just make it where we get those microphones with the thing on it to make it feel like that per, so, per mic. So what you going to do? I mean, I guess we already said we don't care, but I was supposed you, to say, like, would you go? And remember the bottles cankling, cackling from up the street on Flatbush. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it has to be able to accommodate those kinds of sounds, too. Yeah. Kind of like that studio that we went to in Brooklyn. Right. Yeah. We ain't going to say the name because that's, that's, that's doing too much. But, because um, even if you like, if this stayed, you could put soundproofing behind it. I know, but would that be enough? Like, there's like a heater coming over. But it'll be something, right? Yeah. And I feel like you could put it in, like, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe we're being unrealistic because of the ghetto heater <laughs> in the Brooklyn ambulance. Well, when we get when we get all these coins and we could like do limitless things with the apartment. And the studio space then well amen to that dream because right now we working what we got working with what we got with a it ain't much but it's enough holla, holla. what up everybody oh that's loud <laughs> you came in like ah! 
I think you I, got all, like, I got all peaky weaky. You came in like Jay Hood in a lullaby. If you don't get she out like, of here. She's like, lullaby <laughs> and good night. I'd be like, be like girl, sis. mind you, all the babies start crying. Exactly. We are in the nursery ward. Please. She don't. Calm down. She don't. She do too much. You're pretty, but you sound like a whole beast. Yeah. Okay. We love you. We love you. Um, but welcome to another episode of No Days. Oh, I didn't do it too loud because I don't know. We don't want to do peaky weeky. We still out here with this technology trying to make it happen, y'all. Right. We done. It took us a little while, but I think you know we're here. I know it sounds good, but you know. Also, sometimes for you guys, you guys may not hear it, but for us, it'll sound a kind of way in the microphone, but on the other side, it doesn't sound crazy. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then also, Will is the editor-in-chief. Well, you know, I'm working on it. It's it's great. I hate it. I always say it. I hate it, but I don't terrible. hate it as much. I, don't, I actually don't hate it as much because it's kind of like what we always talk about. The more you spend time with something, it becomes a little bit easier. Yeah. So now, like... Even now, like before I was like really, really critical of like everything. Now I know when to let things go, what stuff absolutely needs to be edited out, Mm -hmm. what I can and cannot do. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a little bit more inclined to research more things that I don't know how to do just to see and and just figure it out. You know, I mean, what else the fuck you going to do? Right. Like Agreed. what? That's where I, that's where I'm at. What 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 else are you gonna fucking do? Yeah, you gotta make it happen. So yeah. it's like whatever. YouTube University. Exactly, and just the more that we do this even though it's been a while y'all it's been a little while we'll get into that but even just the more we do this and those one or two people that are like we're waiting for an episode and they let us know (laughs) thank you and even just our friends who ask about being on the podcast or people that we know that inquire about the podcast thank you so much i know know? it's really really cool it's really cool it keeps us going and that makes me want to keep doing it and even though sometimes you know like I said, life gets in the way and some things happen and we can't always rally up every week like we want to. I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad to still see No Days Off standing. Um, we have some exciting news to share as well because we are progressing in other ways. You, you might know? as well just share it now. Oh, okay, I'll share. <laughs> if you haven't heard, because I will be releasing this in time. So that's okay. that's why I'm announcing it. So I will be releasing this in time. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't heard on our Instagrams, me, Donovan, and uh, No Days Off, we have announced our first live show. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I cannot believe it. It's been a long time coming. (laughs) This is actually one of the things that we said we wanted to do as a part of the brand. And just, I think just doing it is the best part, you know? And and it's really, really cool because... It's one of those things that we said and we put it out there and we didn't necessarily say, okay, by, you know, such and such a date, we're going to do it and like make plans, like find a venue and like go through it and then find out about selling the tickets or anything like that. It was more so like, this is a goal. This is what we want to do. Right. And the the universe is actually what put that together. Exactly. You know, whatever means. And it's been a goal that's now a reality. And and I don't want to take it for granted because it's so cool how it happened. And I'm really, really excited at exploring this topic of masculinity in its various forms um, and in its various environments. Because, yeah. you know, like we've talked about it on the grapevine, which is very, very, you know, debate style exactly. around our ideas about it. And this one, 
um, is a little bit more interesting because we get to go deeper into it. Exactly. Um, Derek, what's Derek's last name? Middleton. Middleton. So yeah. You, you, do so, you want to talk about him? so pretty much, I love the fact that the, and how you explained it about like this is a goal that we wanted to have, and it's not necessarily something that we had the opportunity to like fully flush through at the at this present time, but like it just stumbled. So I, I um, met a great friend. His name is Derek Middleton, and he's a filmmaker, and he has an amazing film called Shape Up: Gay in the Black Barbershop, mm-hmm. and it really just inspired me in Gay what, in the Black Barbershop and. For me, as soon as I heard the title, I was like, <laughs> I relate instantly. Yeah. I knew what it was going to be about. It like struck a chord and I had to watch it. And then once I watched it, I shared it with you. Yeah. Um, and it's a great film. And I think it's something amazing to talk about because, again, it's something that I relate to. And I know that it's so it's something that's important. It's a part of our lives. Like if you don't really think about, you know, barbershop culture being a part of your life. But as a gay black boy, man, like that is a very consistent part of your life from boyhood to manhood so i instantly related to that and i can't wait to dive into the conversation so obviously um uh, derek came up with this film he winds up i'm not gonna we're gonna do a screening at the live show which is gonna be great yeah but pretty much in a nutshell he came out to his barber and they had a just a a whole bunch of people coming on talking about masculinity uh traditional barbershop culture mm-hmm. how young queer men are affected by that and the the trauma that is unseen and seen in a lot of these spaces um we're gonna have a, a really dynamic group of barbers and barbershop owners um to talk about their experiences with this or their experience of not even knowing what this is about and, and a lot of some people not even knowing that this is a thing that you know a young boy can have trauma going just to get a haircut you know yeah. and i think there's so many layers layers to this uh there's a parental layer with the mother uh i love that i uh there was an idea of like a single mother who you know kind of utilizes that as a tool to help shape her son if the you know if the if the father is absent so you know if it's like a saturday and she has errands to uh to do you know she'll drop her son off um at the barber shop in a safe quote-unquote safe space to go get her nails done or to go you know run her errands so he might be there for a couple hours and it seems like a safe space you know to be around men talking about men things to have those figures and connections and it's just so layered you know and then when you think about everyone that's involved i cannot wait in to dive into this conversation yeah it's gonna be really really cool and i think i don't know how else you would probably get like a really really kind of 360 degree experience or have a narrative built around like what it is to have those different spaces occupied whether you're you are the gay boy in the bar in the barbershop chair or you are the cisgender hetero barbershop you know barber rather or you are the mom or you are somebody else who's in the environment being impacted by the culture whether you take into consideration how a queer person is feeling or not will be interesting to explore Mm -hmm. i think that there are many layers to echo your sentiments so i'm excited to have that but you know more than anything i would encourage you guys to come out you know go on our social media i think it's on no days off you can go to the link right from there yes it's in my bio and my link yes bio yes and also like the experience in itself we want it to feel more like a very a conversation amongst all of us so yes. if you get to come out we're going to be involving the audience heavily heavily in the conversation we're gonna, so you yes definitely we're going to be in the audience asking questions it's not just about a bunch of barbers and barbershop owners and the filmmaker talking about their experience it's literally an experience to bounce ideas off for each other exactly really share everyone's experience and really connect with one another on a common 
a common topic yeah. and goal of, and and that is including you know creating safer places you know because there's this yeah. thing that happens where barbershops you know they are traditional black barbershops for a reason you know they have a certain type of energy that comes with it some people don't want to change you know that some people think that that's an insu- another layer of institution for learning and growing and yeah and getting good masculine energy as well yes. so how do we come together so that it's a safer place for everyone and involved? recognize exactly like and what it is exactly and you know even when when you know we're not gonna talk about this too much i because know because we're about to have the whole conversation right now exactly but when you when will brought this to me and he was telling me about the opportunity for us to do this the first thing that came into my mind about this whole experience is like okay well where do we go from here like if certain if we have the opportunity to change things how do we do it how does everyone get involved and make sure that we are moving from what it was when we were younger to something and and identifying what it is now and then moving towards something. And then specifically about like understanding what the barbershop actually is. It's not just like some people go to the barbershop and stay there for like the day. Right. Exactly. You know, some people in the hood like just stay there for the day. And as you go throughout your conversation, you are impacting and you're shaping and mm-hmm. you're molding. It's a, like you said, a place of learning. Visual, of, he, what you hear, it's the music. It's so sensory. You get, you, yeah, and it's exactly very sensory. intimate because once you get into your barber's chair, your barber is handling your face. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, they're hovering they're, they're over hov- you. Literally in your space. Yeah. And they are t- talking and forming and, sh- and even talking about certain things that may bother you or may excite you as uh, they are cutting your hair. It's so intimate. So, do you know I used to get so like scared that I wouldn't be able to relate? So, for instance, if they were to talk about girls or if they were to talk about sports and I didn't necessarily know what was going on or I wasn't, you know, familiar with teams, I would mm-hmm. like lie and pretend or like because I, I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to have a normal yeah. experience. I wanted him just to like me because I felt like if he liked me, then he would take care of me better overall. Yeah. You know? And, mm-hmm. you know, I remember even just like, not necessarily like fully altering myself, but I, I have been where I, okay, I know I can't do certain things. I know I can't act a certain type of way, especially when you're in a barbershop on a Saturday and everybody is in there. Yeah everybody is in there everybody everybody yeah so i the reason why i am so like passionate about this is because i feel like i just related to it and it just made so much sense to talk about it and to share the experience and i the i just you know you don't have to come out to your barber but the fact that he did was so cool to me because it's like that is how you moment by moment day by day push the boundaries stretch your stretch yourself help push other people's boundaries and challenge them you know because you could have just walked in do whatever you got to do and leave but it's like if i'm gonna be here for two three four years and we're gonna have certain levels of dialogue and you know me in this certain way but not in this way like i i just i love what the film stands for i love what like the movement and the what this this live show you know stands Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. moving forward about just even having those people in the room and just taking it taking something away from just thinking about a little bit differently so maybe not saying fag so much at the bar when you know when you're in the in the in the barbershop because of you don't you never know who was there yeah. you know and i think it's just uh, a way to just be more aware as a, a, a collective um and i'm really excited again because there's yeah. so many different types of people that are going to be there even from this the scope of um 
the barbershops because even like I can't wait to talk I don't want to give too much again but even one of the bar the my barbershop I've gotten my hair cut by all of them because they're all amazing and they're all great. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, one particular barber, Autumn, you know, we're, and talking about traditional barbershop culture, you know, I want to know her journey as being like a lesbian woman, you know, in yeah. traditional male barbershop culture, being LGBTQ plus woman. KL. Mm-hmm. All of that, you know what I mean? Right. And then still navigating a space where you're, you know, around men all the time, dealing with men all the time. Like so How even does she experience masculinity. So, so even even like maybe people not wanting to be cut by her or doubting her skills or, you know, having to feel like she has to prove herself a little bit more, showing up a different type of way and I, I just a lot I feel like there's a lot there too with that so I'm really excited oh yeah there is um, and that's why like, she's like there. my little special gem that I, I'm really excited that she's gonna be there yeah holla well yeah, you know, get your tickets once again February 21st 7, 7 to 9 yep 7 to 9 Aaron Davis Hall and Aaron Davis Hall is a wonderful wonderful City space. College Center for the Arts yes um, yes, yes, yes. let's once try again, to pack this out followed, out by, followed by great 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 conversation Come yes on. so yes that's one of the great things that we have um it's been a while since we've had a conversation. This it's is actually so our first true. time back since it's the new so year. It's so true. It's so true. So I know that's I good. Know. Some good news to start off. But yeah, it's been a while since we've been back. Yeah, you know, um, we can go right into like the recap. We're gonna right. recap our shit, um, very quickly, and then we're gonna get into like some current eventsy type of stuff. That's like some real good conversation that's happening right yeah. now. But I will say, like, this whole end of 2019 into into 2020 for me has been very thematic mm-hmm. and it has really been honing in to this idea of self-worth and self-care and self-reflection <sighs> who are you telling and you know that's also very very in line with no days off but it, it it more so came in a different way and 2019 was very very tumultuous for me personally you know we've spoken here on the podcast about a lot of things that we were going through and like i learned a lot about business and business partnerships and what motivates people and what does not motivate people it's been very very enlightening i actually have had like a horrible business um encounter if you will horrible horrible with an entity that is a complete disaster um of of a business that trash i think like saw an opportunity and and wanted to be a part of it but had nothing to offer and it was kind of like you know that understanding that no matter what you do no matter where you are in your experience and in your craft in your life in your education in your career Mm -hmm. whatever is that wherever you are you do have value yeah and we've spoken about value on the podcast before and the value feeds directly into how you receive how you respond and what you tolerate and you have to be in control of that because people will make sure that you don't value yourself exactly and a great way to do that is to kind of like confront your value confront the way that you present how valuable you are Mm -hmm. and for us you know as a business i would say like as the creatives as people who come forward with ideas and business is almost secondary i learned that business needs to be primary right. it needs to be on the same level as your creativity and if it's difficult for you then you need to get a business partner whose primary goal will be to watch to balance and, and to create that type of balance yeah. because it it's so important that when you come no matter who you are when you come to a brand that you're very very clear about how valuable you are 
So it was a great, great, great lesson. And I went. We went to Ghana. The grapevine went to Ghana. Hey. Um, in December. And got so much love, by the and way. We got a lot of love that you guys out there. deserve. And, and it, I, I didn't think about it before, but it makes sense now. And looking back, that because so much of the diaspora was there, and because we have amazing fans and amazing people who support us out in the UK, on the continent, here in America, that when we all got together there for the year of the return, yeah. We everybody was there, so we got a lot of love from different kinds of people. All kinds of accents were coming up to us and telling us how much they love the grapevine, which is amazing. And um, we got to do a lot of the things that I kind of like only imagined, you know, getting to know native folks um, from West Africa, getting to actually eat a lot of the great, great food that you can only get there and it's prepared, like going to the beaches. But I'll tell you what the most profound thing was. And I we actually actually didn't make it to the um, slave castles or to the coast like we wanted to be just because of technical reasons, not because we didn't try, but just because of technical reasons. And that's why I'm going to go back. Holla. And I'm and right come, there with you. So we're going back. Yes. Everybody wants to come back. Let's keep this going. And we, and we will wrap up this recording and be recording from there. Okay. <laughs> wrap it up real tight. Even though fucking TSA and equipment is a Bitch. really it's a bitch but whatever um so the most profound thing for me in ghana was being on the beach so if you know me Wanna. the beach is my favorite place in the world i love it can i tell you something yes. my friend reminded me the other day uh, not the other day but when, during the holidays my me and my friends mm-hmm. when we were in college we would in we, california in california mm-hmm. we would like have moments like we were like in like really heavy into like african studies and like spirituality yeah and there were times where we would like feel like just we needed like to release and we would go to the beach and we would all go to the beach and we would spread out as far as we could no one was near each other and we would all scream and just scream wow and just scream and it was not just like angry screams it was cries of just whatever came out of your mouth and it was the most powerful thing. And when she reminded, it was like I was almost upset that I re- that I forgot that we did things like that. Yeah. Because I was like, how can I forget such a spiritual yes thing? So even when you told me about going to the beach, it reminded me of that because we used to do that, and we used to just like go and we would come and we would feel so much peace. Yes. Because it was like literally whatever was in our body went out into the ocean and the sky, and it just left us, and we we got whatever was coming from the universe yes. and from the and yeah. it was just like a great exchange so that the beach is very powerful it's, a, it's, it's a, like it's where like really like where land meets water it's like that, okay so yeah that's the thing about the beach yes it has all of those amazing kind of like majestic elements so like for me like even in reflecting on like my home and i I've been trying to do better because it's not right to like <laughs> the water just running. Strangle you <laughs> because it's bad. But the sound of water, I love. A lot of people, I love fire. In my in my home, like especially in my my favorite time is the spring or the summertime. My windows open and there's air coming in all of the time. You know, so like I just I really really love the elements yeah. and how they make me feel. And then like at the beach 
kind of like what you were just saying it's the water it's the sand it's the sun it's the air it's the it's like the waves crashing against this hard solid mm-hmm. body that then absorbs it and pushes it back right. as far as it can and then the sun reflects right off of the water and then the air is circulating around and providing you with the breeze that you need on this hot ass day and all of these elements in this moment choose to agree and choose right. to survive and choose to get along and then i become so sig- insignificant <laughs> And I get to kind of like observe and watch and become the equivalent of what you're supposed to do when you meditate. When you're supposed to meditate, it's just supposed to be just quiet be. and you just and you just get to be. And when I get to the beach, I get to just like watch and I get to just be because I'm just so enthralled with what is happening. Mm-hmm. And, I, and more so than anything, I melt into it and I feel like I'm a part of it. And what was amazing about experiencing that in Ghana is that the beach was littered with black people. It was littered with dark skin, black people yes. with, you know, there would be a lot of times two parents and there would be like a child or, or a couple, you know, or many. And it would be a lot of laughter. It would be a lot of naps. A it would be chocolate. a lot of chocolate. It would be a lot of hips and a lot of thighs. It would be a lot of, you know, a lot of energy being exchanged that wasn't based in what oftentimes I mm-hmm. experienced as the erasure of blackness and the erasure of black family. And I didn't, I didn't see that until in that very moment when I saw so many of those kinds right. of families, because in America here, in my experience is that, you know, I'm, my family is Caribbean and although we're Caribbean, it still is. There's so much, colorism for example there's so much brokenness in terms of how we live our lives and how we approach family meaning that there are a lot of broken families Mm -hmm. and a lot of times the you know i I didn't experience a lot of my my the male is a men in my family holding on to their families and staying with the women that they chose to have children with so the black family or the completion of a black family or a whole black family um even though I don't know what's going on inside of those people's homes right. or what happens or how they treat each other. What I do know is that in that moment, I saw something that was so completely different than what I've experienced my whole life, which mm-hmm. was um, a a momentum mark- through marketing and advertising, through the destruction of the black family um, and through, you know, this idea of erasing blackness and, re- and, and, and kind of replacing it with something that's biracial right. or something that's, Lighter. lighter and curlier and loose and looser curls and more maybe not palatable. as hippie and more palatable for white folks that a lot of blackness has been erased um from what we constantly see right. and being there on that beach and knowing that feeling and then having that feeling decorated with a celebratory type of approach to blackness was profound for me mm. And I would say that it opened up my eyes to another layer of blackness because I, I definitely feel like I'm a black man. I've always felt that way, no matter how much people want to take it away from me because my family is Caribbean or because, um, you know, I'm gay or those things where people want to like take strip your identity because those things don't make you qualifiers for right. certain people. For me, I know that I'm black and being there affirmed my blackness and it affirmed my darkness and it kind of affirmed my vision of having a black family and having a black experience and where I allow black people to just be exactly who they are. Right. Whether you're biracial or whether you're a continental African or whether you're a diasporic black person, who gives a fuck? 
if you're expressing your blackness and you're here for the upward mobility of all black people so that we can exist and be our authentic selves, I'm here for that. And that experience put a button on that idea for me. So, you know, coming back here, I just, I feel fucking black as hell. I feel very much yes. like I want to have a black family. You know, oftentimes we have these conversations about like what's going to happen to us because it can be so hard to date black men with each other with all of our trauma. Am I going to wind up with a white man? It's a very, very terrifying <laughs> idea of something that can actually happen oh, no. because because of that black vision. Yeah. But when I was there, it gave me it gave me like a recharge and hope that that is something that can be actualized for me in my life and all of the other work that I want to do within the black sector and for black people. So it really, really, really did that for me. Yeah, that's amazing because that's and visualization is important. Representation is important. So even like seeing that, it's like it's like you don't realize how much you're affected by something until you're pulled out of it. You yeah. know, because it becomes a norm naturally. Even if you're like focus and you know it's just like you start getting buffered and smoothed out just by all the elements and you're still your yourself your core self but yeah. some of those things you start wavering on like you said do i have to be with a white man or you know what i mean just because everybody's fucked up like you know but again when you're taken out of that you actually see it's like oh 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 my god 100%. look at look it's there it's it's real it's real it's real it's there it's so real. i'm glad that you've had that experience and even able to share that with me i mean i'm i'm not as far along as you of questioning dating a white man or not but because i just ugh, i just can't do pink skin and mm-hmm. then this is not racist or anything i just can't do pink meat baloney don't want to do it mm-hmm. I don't like thin lips. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, it just certain things. I mean, I, I mean, he gotta be like in. The, he gotta be all of, like, you know what I mean? Like, listen, my pain, like, or something. You know how I feel about this. It's not for me. My preference right. is to be with a black man. Of course, I don't. I'm not a, normally attracted to yeah. a lot of the white men that I see, but I do find white men to be attractive. As in, like, I see some white men who I'm like, oh, that's an attractive white man. I never say to myself, I want to be with that white man. Right. That is the difference. Yeah. I see this guy, I'm like, oh, I want to be with him. Yeah. But he yeah. is not unavailable because of X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. And that's been the experience. And that's why it's like, well, should I be looking at those things? <laughs> should I be looking in those spaces where I'm like, that's attractive, man. That's an attractive white man. Even though I haven't gone as far to say I want to be with that yeah. white man. Is that something that I can actually do? Ghana was just like, wait a minute, boo-boo. Right. And that's also another thing is that. That's why it's, it's important like, to travel. That's why it's very important to travel. But. What I will say too, brother, is that I got to like experience the culture. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was just like another, the most another, another bonus yeah. was experiencing Ghanaian people. Now, Ghanaian people aren't, I would say, like the like Nigerians are like the Jamaicans of Africa. Like Nigerians are the ones who most people would identify as a culture that they can say, well, they do this, they do this, they do right. this, they do this. Like Jamaicans, you know, Jamaicans do this, they they do this, they do this. More so than any place else in the Caribbean. Right. Even though like Grenada, huh? change. Exactly. But even though that's starting to change because people like love Trinidad right. and Trinidad is like becoming one of the more popular Caribbean places. But I would definitely say like Nigeria is the one that yeah. most people think of. I think Ghana is coming up. Obviously, Ghana is like the Trinidad. I hate to make these comparisons. I know. I'm <laughs> but anyway, Ghana is like getting, is like more so getting a voice now. And, and, Ghana is just such an amazing, beautiful place. The people are Ghanaians are so smiley, and they're so smiley. Like if you go to Thailand, I think Thailand is referred to as a land of smiles or whatever. And Ghana is that. People are smiling. Everybody like people are happy. People are very, you know. 
It's probably I would that say good like sun too. Almost, no shade. And that good sun, so people's skin is on fleek, as the kids used to say, because I think that that's dated now. Don't don't talk about me. Oh, brother, don't make us sound that old. I'm very old, and I will get respect. Their skin was still, on fleeky weeky. I can still drop. Their yes. skin was fleeky this weeky. Ooh, brother, you're a rapper. Yeah, <laughs> 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 <No>, I do. <laughs> But um, but yeah, like it was just it was a really really awesome experience, uh, and it reaffirmed a lot of things. And in coming back here and taking like those cultural differences, and there are some things that I'm like I'm bringing that home with me right. because I think like that's the thing about being black and celebrating the blackness of the diaspora right. and from the continent is because you get to kind of like pick up things, things that and will you, work should, for you. And you should because technically. If you go into your ancestry DNA, if you have a little something, it's good to. Yeah, it's just good to be able to experience things mm-hmm. and be able to take away good things right. from them. And all the things that you say that, oh, that troubles me, that troubles me, that troubles me. If you have the opportunity to offer a solution, you do that. If you have opportunity to encourage, you do that. Outside of that, I prefer to like take the positive things yeah. and, and celebrate those things. And in my kind of like coming back home and now you know we're in feb it's kind of like i have been able to take some of those things bring them here and then line them up against how i'm feeling and Mm -hmm. what i'm experiencing and i've noticed that there are some things that i have to change what's one thing if you don't mind sharing sorry yeah yeah yeah, no problem well i think that value conversation carries over through my experience of going mm-hmm. to Ghana to through here. So for me in taking like the value conversation through the Ghanaian experience, I now have like tripled down right. on value in terms of how I value who I am, my experience, the work that you're doing, the work that the impact doing, that it has, the impact that it has. And also the way that I, at this level and at this place get to experience mm-hmm. other people and how, how much I get to learn, how much I get to, sit back and even realize how much the people around me have impacted me mm-hmm. and how I want to continue that momentum or heighten that momentum and how I associate value with just the people that I, I associate myself with and all of those things. And because I've done that, there are, I would say that I'm probably like a little bit less tolerable of um, certain things. Yeah. And, and it's like I, trimming the fat, trimming the fat. And it's definitely not a negative thing. You know, for me, I have to, you know, k- k- kind of like calibrate yeah. these different things, these different parts of my life and how they come together and how they make me feel. Are they reaffirming that sense of value that right, I have right, been right. exposed to and that I kind of went through the ringer with, especially on the business and career side? So am I applying that to like the way that I interact? Like I have amazing, amazing friends, for example. So I feel very confident about those relationships, but I am looking at them and saying, in which ways am I not serving myself? In which ways is this not serving me? In which ways am I not serving them? Right. And and taking that kind of value. And it has brought me to a place where I'm saying like, I'm no longer going to do these kinds of things. Mm. Um, even if they are beneficial for the other person because I don't necessarily see re- reciprocity there. Yeah. And that's not, not that's not a bad thing. It just means that I in this particular relationship, I can go in and I can say... Even to say for this to work better, I have... You know what I mean? It, I have it, to do ex- this. Exactly. For this to work better, I'm no longer going to do X, Y, Z. I'm no longer going to tolerate X, yeah. Y, Z. Um, and little things that I've noticed are I think indicative of bigger things and not only for what I allow, but how I see myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been like really, really amazing. The theme of 
you know, if you let people in your life not acknowledge your humanity or your value, yeah, that can be synthesized through your process as overcompensation. So I was like, am I trying to be a really, really, really good friend in hopes that somebody will be this level of good, good friend to me? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, f- I feel like, you know, after going th- even through that process, I was like, no, I feel very valued. I have amazing friendships. So, you know, yeah. like, that wasn't something where I had to do an overhaul of my of my friendships. I have amazing friends. But still, nonetheless, I got to kind of go in and, and, and challenge myself and challenge how much value I'm bringing to other people as well. So how, so for me, it's like making sure that I do follow up on my emails that are even personal friends, right? Like if it's like my friend who sent me an email of a really, really good lead for something, not for me to say, oh, I'll just say thank you in a text message thread, but to respond in the email so they know that I value that they took the time to email this to me. How do I be better in that way? Yeah. So in terms of value to make sure that I'm keeping my place equitable as a black gay man out here. And then also... I would say another place is is that when it comes to going in as a business person, black folks, I'll use myself. Actually, I'm just going to talk about myself. I oftentimes don't, I may not necessarily know what to charge somebody for something because I'm now getting into a place where I can charge people for things. So if you want me to speak someplace, I can charge you for it. And it's like, well, how much do I charge this person? Because I usually speak for free or I didn't get paid until, you know, last late last year significantly. So now I can, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, how do I do this and how do I, you know, have this amount reflect my value, know that people are going to walk away from this, even though my bills need to be paid. Like, how do I balance all of that stuff? And I think I've moved value up. Yeah. Where it's like, well, I'm not going to take that opportunity. It's not for me Mm -hmm. because at this particular point, this is what I think that, or what I believe that I deserve, or this is a reflection of who I am and, and it will lead me to where I want to be. Yeah. And that is even something that was easy in the corporate world for me because I had so much experience there, but outside of it, it's like, well, how do you do this? How do you maneuver? How do you make it work? And carrying that whole, you know, I want to say what I want to say. I want to be who I want to be. Then, having a shitty year in many ways and feeling like, well, damn, am I who I want to be? Am I, can I really do this? Yeah. Um, to like, okay, no baby, you're okay. Like you, you got what you need. Go for it. Having the, the Ghana experience and doubling down on all of the things that make me, mm-hmm. me, especially the blackness and moving into now and trimming the fat and looking more closely has been very, very life changing because for many, many reasons, I should say, or for all of the reasons I should be, I'm still, everything is not that great. Right. <laughs> like it's still very, very rough. It's still a climb. It's still, you know, that sense of I'm getting closer, but I'm still not yet where yeah. I want to be. Um, but I'm going to, nonetheless, I'm moving value up and I'm still going to say no. And I'm mm-hmm. still going to wait for the right opportunity um, and choose to just do do until the right right whatever comes you know what i'm saying so it's been profound in that way and learning how i've been doing myself well and then extreme disservices all of that has been kind of like that lesson and just figuring out where you can do your surgery like you say absolutely and where i can do my surgery and I, i would say like that's also been a part of the reason why on my part i would say like we're back this late into the year and it's and it's not because we don't have content because we actually have episodes that we have that we haven't released 
um i think it's just been more so about like really really wrapping at least my head around we're doing all of these things there are so many moving pieces and it's really it can be really difficult to even want to get up and move because there are so many things that are knocking at the door whether that's the bill collector whether that's your kid whether that's your boss which i fucking hate that word um or whether if it's you know whatever it is whatever obligations that we have they're always knocking and sometimes we just want to run away from that shit Mm -hmm. and i decided that i was going to dive in i started reading a lot more heavily um, and decided to pour a lot more into myself. Yeah. In ways that I wasn't doing, even though I, even though self care was at the top of my list, um, I was falling short. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was a symptom of the disappointments of last year. Yeah. So I've been fighting. Yeah. And <laughs> I think the cool thing about the self care part for me, what I'm learning is that it's more than just a manicure. It's more than just the face mask. It's more than just like cleaning and Clinton, like that kind of the stuff. Body. You know, it's it's 360. It's mind, body, soul. What are you feeding? What are you watching? What are you eating? Yeah. All of that stuff is all wrapped up in the same thing. And um, so reading, you know, your mind, what is your mind focused thinking about regularly? You mm-hmm. know, what is your body eating regularly? Oh, you're eating pizzas. Okay. Well, you're, you're watching trash or you know what I mean? You're doing a lot of the, the other stuff. So, yeah. Um, well, to piggyback off of what you've, um, you've kind of went through, I, speaking about the books that you've been reading, you mentioned uh, like outliers, I believe. Mm-hmm. And the idea of like the 10,000 hours to, yes. uh, to becoming like an expert, to essentially. Exp- uh, expert. And when you shared that with me, which I will be reading after the four agreements, which I'm reading now, mm-hmm. um, I, um, I've been taking that into a, a consideration, even though I haven't read it, like what you've explained to me just really is hitting home with me because it, allowed me to really think back so it's like kind of similar to you i i'm coming off of not the best year um for my own specific reasons but really in that moment of like okay why do i feel this way what's going on and what have i been doing you know what i mean and i really had to do some kind of introspect work in in thinking okay what well, what have i been spending most of my time doing because i feeling i'm feeling a little all over the place i'm feeling like you know unsatisfied in many ways what have i been spending my time doing so i did a lot of that work mm-hmm. um and i i'm really understanding the importance of like really focusing in on things and one of the things i always talk about is um and we have actually talked to another friend about like this is just being like a jack of all trades having being really good at a lot of different things and like and not even to sound arrogant or anything but i really believe like if i can attach myself to something and really if i went super fucking hard with it i can make it pop and make it what it needs to be but but for me what happens is there's so many things that i want to make pop and there's so many things that i believe in and there's so many things that i can technically do that i run around in a circle Mm-hmm. And when you kind of made that point in the book about the 10,000 hours, I was like, this is why I'm at where I'm at, you mm-hmm. know? And it was a really, a real moment for me where it's like, you can have the things that you want. For me, I have to really compartmentalize it. And I, I feel like I know a lot of these sayings about the, you know, the stove, the stove and the back burner and they're cute. And, but it's like, how do I really apply this shit to my life? Because yeah. I need to figure out how this leads to this leads to this because I want to do it all. But how does this lead to this lead to this? What am I doing in the current moment that's 
I'm becoming an expert. What is the the biggest thing I want to become an expert in? And how does that have legs to move me into the other spaces that will naturally flow if I focus on this? So that's kind of like where I've been. I've been at. So I went from a moment of feeling um, a lot of depression, which was very, very, very interesting for me because Mm -hmm. I'm going to be quite honest for you with you. The last couple of like months, year, maybe even year and a half was kind of like the first time that I've experienced depression and mm. in, in in not nothing crazy and I'm so very grateful that it's, it hasn't led to like suicidal thoughts or anything like that because I know that it's very real but I've always been the one who's been like sympathetic like very understanding because I have friends that deal with you know this stuff but I've always been like man I'm really glad it's not me like you know I'm glad yeah. I don't have to deal with that I, I, man I don't know what it's like not to feel like I don't want to get up in the morning man I don't know what it, like I you know and it's it's kind of happened a little bit and it it was like one of those things that really knocked me over because it's like you know i've been very grateful for not having to like go through this for 30 plus years but now it's something that i'm dealing with and i realized that um for me i teeter between anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. because i'm thinking about the past what i didn't do and then i'm thinking about it naturally makes me think that that's gonna affect my future, so it's like I'm I'm skipping the whole present moment. You know what I and mean? That's where depression and, depression and, happens, and that's where depression happens because again, like I went from thinking about how I failed, what I didn't do, how I you know fell off, and that being you know a reflection of my future. So I'm not even giving the present a chance of hey, I can stop this now. I can step in. That doesn't have to be the the, the case. I can stop the whatever you know and. I'm getting back into that and we talking about something that we um, went through in another podcast is all of appreciating all of that in its entirety. So the past, present and future actually working. It's at the same time because it's like utilizing my past and not in a, a negative way, but being able to be real with myself and say hey i didn't like these things that i've done. You know, this is not the best William that I wanted that I wanted to be. I know that now. What can I do now that I so that I can alter the trajectory of that behavior? Mm-hmm. You know, and that is very empowering for me. Mm-hmm. So it feels really good to like have that moment of really, really like I'm not going nowhere. And also, what was very interesting is like not working f- since the summertime. So then not working. Um, obviously, no insurance. So then there was no therapy. So then there was like these things that kind of compiled on top of each other that were like, ugh, this is a lot for me. So now, you know, just, I don't necessarily know how I get to these spaces, but something in me is just like, all right, enough is enough at some point. Or like, I'm always seeking something, whether it's meditation, music, whether it's an inspirational video, whether it's a book, whether I'm always screenshotting something that makes me feel good. And I'm always seeking something that is speaking to me in the way that I feel like that I need help in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So even like I got an opportunity to work during the Oprah tour. And Mm -hmm. even though I was the help, I was able to see her and michelle obama speak and um some of the the amazing speakers she brought on and her and it just filled me up and it gave me a a, a recharge and it's like this is a part of my life this is a part of my story and mama oprah yeah and i'm I'm, i was really excited so i don't know what i said to say all of that um but just like that's kind of like my recap and i'm just in a, a better a better space um still uh realizing that it's all about balance so like now more i'm even saying okay 
that's a feeling that's a valid feeling what can i do to make myself feel better whether it's breathing whether it's music whatever i can do instantaneously in that moment to make me feel better i try to do it but it's all about balance yeah it's all about balance and i'm realizing that the more that i focus and i i tune in into the things that i love that i'm naturally be fueling those things and i'm manifesting so continuing with this podcast continuing to do the live show helping out the grapevine and being a producer there um i feel like now i'm i'm, I'm kind of honing, so in. honing in on like i realize that i'm i am a producer i'm a creator i can i know that i can take and elevate people's ideas as well as my own and you know and now that it's looking more clearly like I can utilize this as a great foundation again to have legs to become the singer and to get to book a gig because I've aligned myself with two great products that are undeniably going to get me into another other spaces, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just really excited to have that perspective and it's good to, you know, have the low moments. <laughs> it is. It really is. You have to embrace them because for me, that's the moments where I even think the most because a lot of times when we're going and doing i'm just going and doing and a lot of times i don't have time to reflect so sometimes those moments when i do get knocked the fuck down i'm like oh, i gotta this is the time to think and reflect because somebody's trying to tell me something yeah and i mean like you know this is why as a quest we have to be on a quest for balance all the time because whether you're an expert and you're doing your ten thousand hours or you're not without balance it can be a shit show. Yeah. If you're an expert, then one day you stop and you turn around and you're like, oh my God, I've devoted myself to this specific thing and I didn't nurture X, Y, and Z. And then, you know, you, you, you're That's like- That's always ah, been my fear. Yeah, and, and then that becomes a little bit dangerous and becomes a little bit scary. I think it's more so about understanding or, or the other way around where you don't give the time and the energy to, to whatever it is in your life that you need to so that you can express yourself in the best way and then you'll be depressed because you didn't actualize yeah. anything. That's um, true. Um, so it's like it's on either side. It can be very, very extreme. It can be very scary. I think it's a combination and it's about breaking down what are you good at? Mm -hmm. So what can you make not feel like $10,000 yeah. worth of work where you can do other things or how can you want, like you said, how can you make this something that feeds into the, the greater good or to, or into yeah. many of the other things that you want to do? Another thing is, is that things take time. Yes. Yes. And I, you know, I was having a conversation with, uh, with you definitely, but also with Ashley about, you know, how long it takes to get to certain places mm -hmm. and nothing happens overnight. And if it happens overnight, watch that thing carefully yeah. um, and just, be grateful, but watch that thing carefully and see what you can do to make sure that it's it lasts mm -hmm. because foundations are so important. Foundation of self, foundation of your business, all of these things. And it just does not happen as quickly as it may you may think it's supposed to happen with whatever it is. And that's okay. Right. Because when you give that 10,000 hours, and you decide that you're going to stretch out that 10,000 hours. I yeah. think it's five, five, five years that it takes to do 10,000 hours. Um, if you go like, if through a I think it's like 20, if you did 20 like hours a week for 10 years, 20 hours a week for yeah. 10 years. So now we, we made that even longer and we're not even thinking about it as a full work week. Yeah. If we're thinking about a full work week, I that's think we got of, to yeah. like, you know, yeah. five and, if you think about it in that way, it's like, well, you, it's possible yeah. to become an expert. And that's why some people found themselves as experts, which mm -hmm. is what the outliers really talks about. The outliers is an amazing book. Um, I can't wait to get into it. Look into that book. It kind of comes at this at come at 
you know, like let's say the phenomenon of a, of an Oprah, mm-hmm. um, which we often reference because I think she inspires a lot of people mainly because of her success and mainly because of how natural she seems at that thing that brought her success. We all want to dream right. of being of making a lot of money right. at the thing that we're natural at. So she's a hero for a lot of us. And to see the actual work that it would have taken, it happened naturally for yeah, her. But it course. also happened at a time where cable vision, where cable really wasn't a thing for many people. A lot of people had network television. There weren't as many te- talk show hosts. And she decided to do certain things at a certain time and certain th- doors opened, which created an environment for mm-hmm. an Oprah and, and Oprah will never happen again just because of the nature of how time yeah. has changed and things have changed, which is something that's good to identify because when we think about how we approach what we want, it aspire, may be to aspire, aspire to get to Oprah thing when the re, when the actual soil may not be the same as yeah. it was when Oprah was able to grow. And you have to take that into consideration yeah. and determine how you value success. And when you were talking about like not being able to be present because yeah. you're living in other realities, whether yeah. it be the, pres- the past reality or the present or the future reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like that's also something that we have to take into consideration and what also contributes to our depressions yeah. and our anxieties as well. And getting and and like to your point, instead of getting to Oprah, getting to you. Exactly. Because just like you said about the soil, it comes with the time that you're in, who you are, your parents were that shaped you. So all of, all that, of that. So it's shit. like that's why it's so important to get to you. Yeah. It's you true. Know? like you were saying when you came back from the Oprah tour, when she was saying that like um she was grateful for her you know not so great relationship with her mother because without that she would not be who she is and that is how you repurpose shit yeah like her story is and this is not trying to like oh we love oprah i mean we do but it's not but yeah like she like her mother single mom like her like even like when she talks about her dad and how her dad talks about like her mom her her dad was like yeah i just wanted to get that ass Mm -hmm. and they literally had sex one time under a fucking tree an oak tree and went on the middle little bit was uh, was pregnant everyone told her to get rid of it and she didn't she wound up living with her grandmother the mother was somewhere off grandma died literally mom not existent she's getting like raped and all this other stuff and her mom was on like her deathbed and she said she was having the hardest time with that and like letting her go and wanting to like Tell her that she loved her and, and affirm like affirm her and let her know it's like, all the things that you want to do with with someone who's 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 leaving. Um, and she said it took her three days and then she finally was she finally had like some type of whatever. And she realized that she wouldn't like throughout all of the hurt and pain and and crazy shit that some people won't, couldn't even fathom. She had to really thank her mom for giving her up for all the decisions that she made because it wouldn't it would be impossible for her to be who she was if if that story were any different yeah yeah and, and when you think in that that type of silver lining like the ability is, to, yeah. to find it i was literally like and she was like crying I, everybody was like because it's like because when you think about oprah you don't think about that you only see the so when like when she's sitting there telling her story about like she like pretty much how she was trash mm-hmm. you know what i mean as a kid and and it's like you don't you never think about that because we see her giving away cars and yeah. doing this and being that and doing yeah. this and she's the billionaire and the money and this and that and it's like it really humbles you yeah because it merely it, for me it really made me want to work a little bit harder yeah it really wanted me to stop having a pity party yeah like you know what i mean and like that that's just that because yeah. i was like damn that's that it just made me want to do a little bit better because it's like that's 
what else what else where do you go from there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no it's true and i kind of feel like that is a great segue into what i wanted to talk about today which is this idea of your foundation and your soil and who you mm-hmm. and who you become and like the thing that's interesting about oprah is that oprah spent her like entire well the, the large majority of her conversation of her excuse me career having conversations about why people got to where they are and who they are mm-hmm. And that has is what has made her career yeah. special because it wasn't just about being a journalist or an interviewer. It was more so about I see you and let's have a soulful connection and she, with and each she other. Took what what was given to her, yeah, and she applied it. When when she saw that it was good and it worked, and that and that's why she sought those people out. She applied it to her life. So imagine just taking almost like taking superpowers from all these different people your whole life yeah. of course you're gonna be a fucking billionaire yeah absolutely and, and, and when you decide that you're gonna apply them yes. which is like a, a huge that's a huge oprah thing I, I think we all come with what we come with as well yeah. and um you know would she be the oprah of today if things were different i would say no what also is interesting is that as we raise children and we you know like move forward with even our own lives because you know i think that people think you get to 30 and you have it all figured out no um you continue to learn you continue to fuck things up you turn 40 you learn everything no we're you all continue to fuck up. exactly you're we're always practicing and then we just want to do better and better and better and that's why we have to kind of like dismiss this idea of perfection mm-hmm. and move forward to being the best versions of ourselves and allowing ourselves within the best to have play to have bad shitty days so that we can learn from it to get better and be the best that Mm -hmm. we could be and you know this the conversation of starting out talking about barbershop culture now getting into this oprah dynamic and wanting to be your best self dynamic all of that being kind of like threaded into being your best self and having a full expression of yourself you know the conversation about coming here as an entity being born as whatever it is that you're being born yeah. as a black girl in Mississippi, um, Oprah. Oh yes, mm-hmm. right. And pe- everybody's saying, "Don't keep that baby. Get rid of that baby right now." You know, she they wanted to kill her before she even got here. She was, her mom was 16. Yeah, she went. To, they wanted to kill her before she even got here. And you know, I was the Dwayne Wade story with yes. um the, his daughter. Zaya. Zaya. And with Gabrielle Union and also having a, um, a lot of boys in the family. Mm-hmm. I think they have one girl now. Yeah. But having a lot of boys in the family, you know, who the hell wants a gay kid? Who else? Want, who would want a transgender ch- child is the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people pouring in their ideas on social media um, in certain places and videos and, and shit like that. It's it, trying to make this kid essentially disappear mm-hmm. um decide what her life should look like and be like and, and be like and because it can't be that way you have people who actually would want to erase her experience and erase her mm. i think that for me i wanted to talk about this we don't really talk about celebrities too much on this show because yeah. we have a lot of inner work to do but I think that this is a really, really, really huge reflection on inner work and on the parts of like Dwayne Wade, Gabrielle Union, who've been public about, you know, their experiences from in, with infidelity, experiences with being jealous of other people in the same space, like Gabrielle has talking about, you know, being a black woman and having to deal with being jealous of other women mm-hmm. in the space who would get a role that she would want to get and, and really being able to identify what made her special mm-hmm. versus 
just trying to separate herself from the rest of these black bitches who are going to get these roles. Yeah. Right. That, that, evolution for her Dwayne Wade and his evolution of being able to identify that he did something wrong and wanting to make it work with this woman and wanting to build a family yeah and I feel like a lot of that stuff made way for this approach that they have of recognizing her for everything that she is because to me they're superheroes They are. They, they, they are. might as well have an on a because and be on the CW. Like, to, to have that level of accountability, to have that level of acceptance, to have that level of uh, empathy, just in their whole life. Gabrielle Union, like that's the most blended family. Right. They adopted, came into the family, a transgender. You know, it, that to me, they're superheroes, and they are not breaking a sweat doing right, it because right. they are living a normal life that's a to me that's a normal family mm-hmm. to be able to accept everyone for who they are and what they come with and to be able to love on each other no matter what that's a real family yeah yep, that's yep. a fucking real family to me yep. and to see everybody's disdain or not everybody excuse me to see a lot of people's disdain for his acceptance of his child for gabrielle gabrielle's acceptance of her child really exposes how extremely weighed down by baggage and disappointment and feeling rejected and feeling loathed yeah um has really just become part of our dna um it really has exposed our addiction to pain and wanting to make other people feel that it has exposed our you know deep connection with drama and with feeling that we are the first line of offense for each other and you know we have to really evaluate that because when you see an opportunity when you see a black man being an actual demonstration of a protector for his black family and there is this need to attack that because it does not uphold the patriarchy that's anti-black it's anti-black as fuck and the thing is, is like at some point we have to have a reckoning of patriarchy and racism and patriarchy and sexism and misogyny and mis- misogynoir in particular. Because when you have a situation like this where a black man is doing what y'all said he wanted to do, be there for his family, protect his family, make room it's, for make a no better sense. world. Y'all mad because one of those people happens to be born with male genitalia and is having a different experience which a lot of us have and a lot of people who you continue to deny and act like it's not a truth because we fall in love with lies Mm -hmm. black folks are too enamored with dishonesty Mm -hmm. around who we are and perfection we've been so hammered down with this idea that we are not worth anything that when people assign value to who they are no matter what that looks like to you that we ha- we can't help but say, no, that is actually not valuable. Mm-hmm. It's not. It ain't. And this man is brave enough to say, like, no, she is valuable mm-hmm. just the way that she is. And she is. And we mad. 
smarter than most of these motherfucking adults she is more concerned with becoming her best version of of herself exactly that line that she mentioned i'm gonna paraphrase about what is the purpose like why would we come here to be somebody else or not to have exactly human experience is profound i think that you know little children typically get that because little children are not living in the past because they don't have one that they can see and they don't ne- they don't necessarily have a conceptualization a of what the future will be mm-hmm. because they, they're living the future every time they look into your eyes as an adult and you continue to disappoint them by telling them that you don't respect who they we are and because you do that we build a future that is full of darkness and despair mm-hmm. because it's surrounded and, I have to look not, forward to more of, of you motherfuckers and, and lack of communication yes because if you keep slapping my hand away, I, only, I'm not going to extend it out again. Absolutely. And I think children are a lot more smarter than we give them credit for it. Because you know what? We've all been children. You slap mm-hmm. me a couple of times. I'm not fucking with you anymore. I get it. And a lot of times that is from our parents. And this theme of like having autonomy, this thing of having your own will and having the pursuit and having the agency to pursue that will is not something that we all know that we have access to Mm -hmm. and that girl knows that she has access to that and uh, and the reason why is because she has parents like that yeah and we're all not that fortunate that's and that's why they're superheroes and that's a it's amazing to see exactly and what they will build in her right is the product is the is the byproduct of Oprah going through right. and bringing it forth because Oprah, to me, just to say this really yeah. quickly, because I want to talk a little bit about the disrespect of Gail King and, and mm-hmm. some things that we've experienced in the media as well. We'll transition into that. But Oprah brought forth a generation of us that are different. Yeah. And we're going to give her credit for what she did. And we're going to give her credit for what she continues to do, which is to continue to pour out a message for a Dwayne Wade for a Gabrielle Union, and for other black people who want to have the highest expression of themselves, mm-hmm. which gave, which brought forth Zaya. Yep. Right? Like, this would not be a thing had not a black representation of that been successful and been a billionaire, which is why we have to give honor to her mother, mm-hmm. who fell short in many ways. But it's, it's allowed us to get to this place. So when you see people who are addicted to the past, when you see people who are addicted to pain, who can only identify weakness yeah. because they refuse to celebrate their own strengths, it's just, it's just so extremely fucking disheartening. And I abhor that shit. Yeah, it's disgusting. Like, to see that shit really, really pisses me off. Like, imagine... Well, because in my mind, Zaya is going to be Zaya regardless. But imagine Zaya being brought up in a broken home like that. Or being fucked up. Like, so it's like... It's one of these things where... And when you, I mean, and, and it happens all the time. And it's a, that's what I'm saying. It's a blessing that we even get to experience in this in this way. Because, like, for the most part, with the way that they're going, she's going to be okay. And she's going to be more than okay. And she's going to be great. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that is important because a lot of trans people don't get to be great. Yeah. Because of their experience. So it's really important that this is happening with D Wade and Gabrielle Union. And I'm excited to see what else comes because now she's a preteen now, teen. She's about to be an adult soon. So I cannot wait to see because she's already talking shit that most adults don't get to ever in life, yet alone, you know, in their 30s, 40s, let alone ever. But I, it's a blessing to watch and to have this experience because if this was any other given situation with Zaya and some other parents, it could 
Like the chances are, the real chances, not trying to be shady, are slim to none. Exactly. And that's why uh, this Black History Month, we're giving a shout out to fucking Wayne Wade and Gabrielle Union. The whole Wade family. Black liberation really looks like because that is what black liberation looks like. We are in 2020 and people want to live in the past. People want to give you uh, old school black FYI. So we're going to give them a real, real up to date current black FYI. Black liberation looks like accepting your family. Black yeah. liberation looks like loving everybody in the black community. Black liberation looks like when you look in the mirror, you like yourself. Mm-hmm. So when you see somebody else who tells you that they're proud of their reflection, you won't cower in fear and it won't disgust you and you won't feel horrible about it. You'll be like, God bless them. I see that they love themselves as much as I love myself. I'm going to keep it pumping. I'm going to keep it rocking because right. it's none of your fucking business anyway. So, I mean, for me, I think like, the whole Dwayne Wade situation and the whole Gabrielle situation, which is nothing much, nothing more than just like a blessing or nothing less than a blessing, I should say. And hopefully an example to other black parents in particular, that black love is an extension of your family and your home. mm. And it, it, and it will breed what we will see as future generations. And we got to come correct. So I'm excited. I'm excited. It's a great example because even thinking about it just a little bit more, it's just like, D Wade is a man's man. He is a right. fucking basketball player. He is one of the top basket. He's a man's fucking man. So right, it's just it's just so amazing that he has decided, you know, to be the person to be who he is. And maybe it's God. Maybe he did make a decision. Maybe he did. I don't know what I'm gonna do. And I gotta be on the right side. Maybe you know. But God bless him because because of who he is and his status and how he is comes off the most masculine you know what i mean yeah. like the fact that people look up to him little boys look up to him men obviously look up to him and yeah. I, I think it will you know it's not gonna totally change the world but i but think it'll soften, it, some it'll, hearts. it'll soften some hearts for sure it definitely will and, and i know that there's a, a i know for a fact that there's a d wade fan out there who has a trans daughter or, or whatever you know what i mean and so i just hope that and then that, like years from now we're gonna hear like yeah, that story yeah everything. for fucking mm-hmm. sure and I'm, that's mm-hmm. why it's it's necessary it's like those are the type of people like when you have that platform and not necessarily to use it to like just gain favor but like to that's how you use your fucking platform absolutely and and you know People often say, like, you know, cele- we are obsessed with celebrities. Yeah. We're obsessed with them. We're always in their personal business. Some people will say, well, you know, celebrities shouldn't be talking about politics. You know, they should keep certain things to themselves. Mm-hmm. And they've chosen to actually go in and have certain conversations publicly as an extension of their public life, even though they ha- they should have every, you know, option to say, no, we're not talking about these kinds yeah. of things, but they've chosen to dive right in. And I think that it's just, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. And as a black man, you know, every day, moment by moment, ways to grow and yeah. stretch yourself. Yeah. And as a, and, and as a black man, like it's, it's really hard to like, we know day by day is rough. You never know what's going to happen. But this particular black man is making the effort to say in the public space that I am using confrontation Mm -hmm. as a tool to make room for my daughter and to make room for my sons and make room for my family and make room for this model Mm -hmm. of existence. And even the, uh, Oh, the, even the, I think his, uh, her brother posted something so amazing. Like I got you. And we've been like, like, so even the fact that this is throughout the whole family and then, you know, God willing, they're going to have families. Yeah. And they'll bring that energy forth. And that is how we change 
the world. Exactly. You know, and that's exciting to me. And, you know, just in terms of the masculinity and that energy going into like Kobe and him passing away tragically with his yes. daughter, Gigi Gia. Um, and the whole Bryant family, of course, you know, where we've extended publicly and we're continuing to extend our condolences. Like it really, 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 I think has impacted black folks in a very mm-hmm. traumatic yeah. and severe and deep way that you just never know until things like this happen and it always does that thing about readjusting your perspective as to say remember to make room for love remember to tell the people that you love that you love Mm -hmm. them yeah and in keeping with that theme of like black masculinity and black men and and seeing all of those women and having kobe be like that one man in that immediate family and thinking about how valuable he must have been despite Mm -hmm. whatever has happened in their relationship and all that shit i don't know about anybody shit everybody has conversation to what i know which is that they loved him and they cared about him and that he died with his daughter and and several other people on that plane in a tragic way and we and our hearts break for them and we are also going to celebrate his life Mm -hmm. and we're going to celebrate Gigi's life and we're going to celebrate the display on this side of black masculinity and how incredibly important it is when it is a when it's used in a way to balance femininity or brought in with femininity or is nurturing or it's or it does what it do right with his family you know what i'm saying like that energy it's, yeah because it's, it's not because even when you think about like even talking about like his past or whatever what, whatever you want to whatever it's like even the fact that he I'm sure he had four daughters for a reason. Mm-hmm. That was probably very, very universally <laughs> very done. Exactly. So even like even then, that's like I think that was done by God purposely. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you see like how this family, like Dwayne Wade's family of mostly men and masculine energy, you would say, mm-hmm. and then you have this family of mostly women and all of that feminine energy, and how at the end of the day, when you look at these black models, despite of what the family looks like, how valuable the men yeah. are, and it's just as valuable mm-hmm. as the women are, and I hope that we continue to be able to see very clearly that the need for him to be there to show up in a way that is uh, that protects but nurtures is not replicable yeah it is not easily replaceable it is valuable right like it, it continues that sentiment over to the other side and and i think like that's so important in beautiful displays of black masculinity unfortunately is very difficult to find um in mainstream media and like a lot of the things that we consume but here are opportunities where we get to acknowledge that it exists and it is beautiful and it's amazing and it can be juxtaposed to a very very troubling past for us Mm -hmm. that has been set up and a lot of times it's outside of our control and a lot of what we see now is a response to white supremacy when we see that black men are running away or not available or are being locked up a lot of this is because of white folks and their jealousy jealousy don't, don't you jealous me jealousy jealousy hey ha, don't you jealous me you know you know how i'm they at get african down. beat or something thank you oh that'll be cute yeah but you know how they get down we have to be very aware of those things because look what life does yeah. life happens life happens and you have a transgender daughter life yep. happens and you and you you lose the head of your household the head of your family to tragedy right. and circumstance 
So what do you leave behind? Who are you? How are you living? And I think like these two black men give a lot, a lot, a lot of information and a lot of detail to the, to the value of black masculinity. Yeah. Now, a juxtaposed to that was a lot of the things that happened surrounding his death. More specifically, the Gail King interview with Lisa Leslie, you know, the um, WNBA player who, you know, Gail asked some questions in regards mm-hmm. to um, Kobe's past right. with his rape allegations, mm-hmm. which he was, which he, which were dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, right, like he was never convicted of any actual rape. Right, it was it was done. So he was cleared. Everything. Boom, 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 boom. She asked questions about that. I saw the clip of it, um, where she pushed and she was just like, you know, like Lisa, like, what do you think about that? Should his legacy be a tie to that? You know, Lisa's like, absolutely not. Kobe was an amazing man. I never saw that side of him. Mm-hmm. I, and then you know, Gail was like, well, Lisa, if if it was, maybe you would never have seen that. You would never have seen that. Like, why would you, you know? And she's just like, no, I just don't. That was not my experience. All I can mm-hmm. talk to is about what he's done, and we should just leave it there. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that clip, it made me uncomfortable. Because I saw that clip and I was like, why is she pressing her on this? I think this is ridiculous. Um, I think immediately after seeing that, I had to take a moment and realize I'm in this I'm in this space. I know what it's like to produce. I know what it's like to see something that can like get people crazy. Right. A lot of times, you know, like for The Grapevine, there are episodes that we have not released because we felt like putting it into the public space would create negative energy, mm-hmm. um, pandemonium. Uh, people are going to go this way and that way, so we don't release that. There are things that we could have done clip-wise, which we haven't done. People would say that maybe at our detriment, maybe we could be more popular, but why would we want to do that? Because we actually do care about black people. Now, you would say that the way that that clip was crafted versus having an extensive interview which she hits his highlights and some of the lowlights could have given a different mm-hmm. contextual yeah. um, that idea was her, of that was. That was kind of like her, because she never like does responses, but like, even like Oprah was crying, like almost damn near fearing for Gail's life in some senses because she's been threatened and stuff like that. Yeah. But to her, like to her defense, and I'm not saying I agree necessarily agree or disagree, but she was saying how that clip was put out without her knowing right. by her network, I and it was a that. very specific amount of time. She said that she was very satisfied with the full extent of the interview. She said she did as a journalist do a specific amount of digging, um, but she even she even went on to explain that she even felt that Lisa Leslie was satisfied with the interview after. Mm -hmm. And even when she kind of said enough is enough, this is Kobe. This is how we, he's remembered. She even said that even though she did do that, that pushing that, by Lisa saying that the how she said it mm-hmm. and put a nice button to close it, so she that's why she walked away very comfortable right. with the interview. But if you see that specific clip cut off at a specific time, yeah, there's no context. There's no which, context, which of course we know is a tool for the media for many many reasons. Um, whether that's and it's like why would your fucking network do that for to you? That's yeah, a, that's another thing because that's how you know nobody cares about black people. Yeah, and because <laughs> they know that it will be controversial yes. and controversy controversy sells. Yes, and you know I think like I was although I, I once again I, I I don't even necessarily feel like because of timing mm-hmm. I do I found it to be a little tacky. Yeah, I found the whole thing to be a little tacky um, in terms of just having to ask at the time. But then one would can argue, well, is there a perfect time to ask? I would say yes, probably later. Um, it may be not perfect, but maybe a better time would be to ask that question later. But but as a journalist, you strike when the iron's hot. It, there are a lot of things. And then there are also like white journalists who ask the same questions who didn't get the same backlash. Yada, yada, yada. 
it can go it, it goes yeah. on and on and on what really bothered me excuse me was um what i saw first was snoop's response to that where he's calling her like a dog face bitch or some shit like that it was that. a lot <gasps> yeah and and i'm and i'm i'm highlighting him as our third black um representation of i'm sorry a third representation of black masculinity um as something that we have to be very very mindful of especially when we are talking about someone like kobe or we're talking about somebody like Dwayne wade who have had their own issues um but more specifically are able to be a representation of what it's like to actually defend black women and actually defend right. black boys and black kids juxtaposed to snoop having a reaction to gail's right. moment you know, because yeah. everybody has their moment in the sun. Everybody has their moment in hell. Everybody has their moment everywhere. And it comes with a, l- a lot of different kinds of emotions. Mm-hmm. And the sensitivity of having a friend die horrifically and having a black woman um, come through in a clip and say something that is offensive or that keeps alive, something that you don't believe is true about your f- great friend is something that's very, very emotional. Yeah. Right, it's it. I can understand that if that is a catalyst for you to have to a moment. Angry, right now, what bothers me is the way that it was so easy for him to throw her under the bus yeah. as somebody who is still alive, as someone who does do work. Mm-hmm. And we, I, I would say, I don't know. We can all we can talk about that um, on a debate stage. I won't debate that here, but we can argue and say like her. She has a career that explores excellence and may have its moments where we can say, well, yeah. did she go far enough or did she go too far here? Yeah. And we can have those moments. But I don't think that her career speaks to being anti-black. I don't right. I don't find that to be true where this is like going in line with who she we believe her to be. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, we know her as predominantly just being, you know, Oprah Winfrey's best friend, um, Oprah Winfrey, who continues to put black women and black boys through school oprah winfrey who continues to do things oprah winfrey also has strikes on her records for some of her Mm run-ins with how she's treated other black people like monique and yada yada right um no one's perfect and no one's oh and everybody is not always built for tough i think black people's willingness to tear down other black people for infractions for things that are bad for things that are not half of what white folks do right is mind-blowing to me and it shows how powerful a tool black masculinity can be when it's used against us and when it's used for us and i want uh, you know for me i'm telling you how i feel about it is that do i even agree with gail's line of questioning at this time my answer is no Mm -hmm. i really respect her journalistic uh ovaries um or balls or whatever you want to say whatever you're into uh you know, to push forward and say, I'm going to ask these tough questions anyway, even though I know it's a sensitive time. Mm-hmm. I, I say kudos to you. I think that that is something that was important for her. Right. I would not have done that. I don't think that it was appropriate at this time. But do I think that we should like burn her at the stake for that? Yeah. Absolutely not. And I don't think that the person with the biggest torch should have been a black man calling right. her a couple of names yeah. and also saying something. And the threats. To the, yeah. Also and saying that, something to the extent of, you know, you better stop, you better stop it, it, it or clean it up or, or we're going to come, come get you. And and once again, in that and that and understanding what leadership is and what yeah. it, when understanding what it means that people will follow you for you to That's say something the scary like that part. and the way that we continue to degrade black women in particular yeah. and treating black women like trash which is why people kill trans black trans women mm-hmm. because they're the lowest of the low in terms of our hierarchy for blackness yeah. black women are treated like shit black trans women are treated like extra shit with extra barbecue sauce all of that kind of stuff extra fuel extra you know kerosene oil as we burn them literally alive 
And I think like all of this stuff is connected. The way that it was so easy to call this black woman, older black woman, a dog face bitch. Yeah, that's it's it's a insane. I think it's unfortunate that come on we don't we I don't know if it's rooted in our trauma of just always being hurt and having to lash out like that's a, a thing like we just gotta lash out but mm-hmm. man we gotta think a little bit of a little bit ahead you yeah. know what I mean like you can be angry it's okay to be angry it's okay to express your emotion it is okay to express to someone that you don't like what they did but you also as a leader as a person with a huge following as a as a black man in the community who has a certain privilege and a certain level of energy we have to think a little bit more because like not even trying to be funny that that's life or death type of stuff yeah, like like, she has so like snoop dogg is a real gangster like yes. he's not like he is, a, he, is, he, is, him. he is a commercial gangster like he is very much with martha stewart but he has goons and boys we just have to be extremely careful when we're like black people we have to go to the extremes of confrontation yeah i have to show you how angry i am that i can't even think about what i'm gonna say before yeah. i say it. all that stuff that's built up in us you know we have a lot of stuff that's built up and a lot of it is self-hate yeah and a lot of it is this way to express and it's easier as we know to express it to whoever's right next to you and chances are you're gonna be a black person and it's that familiarity that allows us to disrespect each other, and 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 and, and combined with the marketed, um, almost kind of like yeah. ingrained, kind of like the way that our brains are programmed, right. we already devalue ourselves. And so that, in addition to the to this massage noir, mm-hmm. this way that we you know the tip drill videos right. into, into bitches and hoes, that, even being a language that now women have adapted. I'm sorry, I'm not coming for nobody because sometimes I use the word bitch too. But it's like, it's so, it's been so commercialized yeah. through the efforts of somebody like Snoop that it is a part of us to refer to each other as bitches so and even, hoes. So you naturally don't even have this, because she a bitch. Because she's, she's, well, first of all, bitch, you're automatically a bitch. Bi- and, and now bitch, you already a hoe. And, and, and because I'm mad at you, now you're I, dog face right. bitch. And this is my thing that even with, with nigga is that you don't know. Yeah. We, like it's already the foundation has already been set right that no matter how much of an empowering word it can be somebody can still call you a nigga and, and wish the, death upon you yeah and somebody can still call you a bitch and still and still refer to you as the slave master's tool right to get a good nut out you know what's, and yeah do you know what i'm saying it's what's it's, interesting yeah. even like thinking about how a lot of these black men are so worked up about it like to the point where they're like threatening and calling it's so interesting because it's almost seems like they it's more it seems like betrayal and they're even more upset if if, more upset if rather than if a white person did it which is like which is insane to me so like yeah so even like even just trying to wrap my brain around why someone would be so upset and since like yo gang like you could cuss you could that that wasn't fucking cool what you did Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like you like but like to think that you were so like it does it does it come from feeling betrayed by your own people your auntie your auntie like it has to be something of that nature because it's like White people do this shit all the time, and you're not calling them dog face bitches and exactly. sending the goons on them. Why would you send the goons on your own people? Exactly. Why would you say something like that? Why would you put Gail King in danger because Gail King did an interview? Because Gail, I just don't. Yeah. I mean, oh my god. And then it's we got to we got to watch that. That's and that's that's cancel culture too because it's like 
that and this is even when they were talking about Oprah. Even what I what did I tell you when I came back? I don't give a fuck what people say. Oprah does more good than bad. You know what I mean? And it's like we have to accept people for who they are and not for this perverse image we've created in our head about who we think they should be because of whatever right. you know. Because it's like Gail King does more good than bad, from what I know, from what I've the receipts that I know and I've seen in the interviews. And what she's about, she does more. So why would you even put someone like that to the fire like mm-hmm. that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To potentially be destroyed, literally. Yeah. And, for, and, and for the stupid ass people on her team or on the whatever her network, whatever network she's on, because I don't watch that show. She needs to go because they, they, need they to, don't have your back. They don't have your back because that's so tacky. That was a tacky, tacky, like you don't tacky, get a, tacky, tacky. You don't get approved of a clip that you. Like, it was crazy. disgusting. It was disrespectful. It was a horrible thing to to hone in on and to put out there as a representation of what the interview must have seemed like because that's what people get. That the, the only they, if you see that clip, you don't care what they else. They don't I care think? that they what were the talking fuck? about how amazing he is because y'all put that clip out. So that was very very stupid and, and strategic very pur- and strategic and purposefully done. And you guys are shitheads. And Gail has to look at who these people are that she's working with and see that for exactly what it is yeah. and continue to be honest about that experience. But you know, like once again in t- in 2020, as we move forward and we see these amazing representations of black masculinity on the parts of Dwayne Wade and on the parts of Kobe Bryant, you know, being an amazing father who decided that he was going to turn over and pour every ounce of him into mm-hmm. his daughter, into her dreams. Um, just from like, you know, that part of him that yeah. wants to get that part of himself out mm-hmm. and, and turn that into a nurturing yeah. paternal experience is amazing. Uh. And has been, I hope that people get that lesson and people get that sentiment that he really, really showed you how mm-hmm. to get that shit done. And that we will not let the behavior mm-hmm. of both Gail and the network. Um, and, um, but more so for me, Snoop and that, and that energy yeah. to, to overshadow what we know to be true about mm-hmm. black men. Um, and, I think like first, you know, we have to, once again, make sure you guys come out to see um, Shape Up Black yes. and the Gay Barbershop and have that talk with us with um, No Days Off at Aaron Davis Hall on February 21st. All of that shit. We'll put it up because I can't Sorry, remember Sorry, really quickly. I just wanted to say, you know what's interesting? Well, yeah. this is me thinking about black men in particular. I, I was reading like a tweet that someone put out It's and it was pretty much saying how it's so interesting that the girl dads of yesterday are um, literally like tearing Gail King to shreds and I feel like that was a, a really profound statement for me because you gotta be really careful what about you the girl dads so there's this thing that's been going viral about dads who have girls and that they're uh. more they're more sensitive and they understand their daughters and it's like they do their hair and it's supposed to be like this empowering thing so it's like a hashtag called girl dads oh god so it. it's like so Kobe Bryant like he was a big face of that like being a girl dad yeah. you know what I mean so like you have that certain type of masculine energy all that stuff we talk about mm-hmm. but in that same sentiment be very careful because if you're trying to be this girl dad and you're doing the same shit the next day, tearing Gail King down. Like you have to be careful because you're actually doing all the uh, you're undoing all the work you're doing with your daughter. Yeah, absolutely. by doing that, absolutely. And and um, you know, and the reason why I'm saying that people need to come out is because we're going to explore the power of black masculinity in that conversation as well. Because it's like how the barbershop becomes this space of learning and mm-hmm. change and growth. It can be also a place of, you know, trauma. of trauma, drama, of learning poison, of, be- of becoming, um, you know, a, a, a full-fledged 
high profile member of the patriarchy yeah and um and white supremacy so i really do feel like you know it's good to look at black masculinity through a different perspective yes. and it's through the perspective of power and mm-hmm. it's through the perspective of nurture mm-hmm. and it's through the perspective of building and growing and, and all of those things that we love about black masculinity yeah. because that is what we see the do we see the duality and, or we see how black masculinity accesses femininity to showcase yes. how grand and beautiful it actually like, is when you see somebody mm-hmm. like Dwayne Wade show up for his transgender daughter. Like you said, it is a power, and and I think that's the difference when you have seen about like a superhero of using black yeah. masculinity as a power, and you can use it for good to help and to impact lives, but use it for bad. It's toxic black yeah, masculinity, it and it really is a power that you can use for good and evil, and and if and it's like it's like a tool, like you know what I mean? It like is. it's one of those uh, in in a weird way, it's like a tool yeah. that you can like utilize in certain spaces in certain ways to show up. Uh, you know, and and it's very interesting, like that that concept. Yeah, it is, and and you have to recognize it for what it is. Yeah, you have to be able to say this is what it's doing, and this is what it's doing here, and how do we. How do we streamline this? Because we define white masculinity as something that's powerful, that's something that's strong, that's tied to like, you know, Christianity a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, that is unstoppable and most powerful. And black masculinity is, is, is covered in a cloud of weed smoke and it's very much, do you know what I'm saying? Get out. It's cloud in a cover of weed smoke and it's very much about being, uh, having sexual prowess. It's very much about having a big dick. It's very much about being absent. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very much about like being kind of like, I don't know, for self and and physically strong. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't explore the other dynamics of black masculinity as like a super, super, super charged organizer and as a super, 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 super leader. leader and as a source of strength that's not only rooted in like being able to pick things up and putting it down, but to hold it down, hold it down and, and protect I've, and protect and to and to also be a demonstration and. And there are so many examples of that that we can talk about. Yeah. That we don't talk about often enough because we tend to highlight, reflect, and recreate the negative things. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to see less of that Snoop energy. I want to yeah. see more of that Dwayne Wade. And speaking energy. of even like the what you were talking about, and maybe that's something that we can do to highlight. But even when you were talking about your your trip to Ghana, about actually seeing mm-hmm. and actually being able to see that. Your vi- your vision has been clouded by this American thing that you've been living for you know for so long, and I think that's something that we have to do, and that's why we're having this conversation, this live show, yeah. to really bring forth those people. So highlighting you know Dwayne Wade and Zaya and that the the Wade family and Gabrielle Union and and finding even people beyond the surface, you know, because they're kind of surface because we can see them, exactly. you know, but even finding those people beyond the surface who are holding it down, like. Um, for instance, I sometimes think of Eddie Jarrell Jones and his dad and mm-hmm. how his dad is there holding his they down, yeah. you know, and I love it. Yeah. 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 I love it too. And, you know, once again, for even for your own like journey as a man, because I'm talking to the men right now, black women, I I love y'all and I love that you listen to this show and I know that you're probably listening to this like, y'all need to talk about women a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But this episode today is specifically really, really highlighting um, black masculinity and black men, black transgender men, all of and us. sometimes, ladies, y'all sometimes have to sit sit back, cross your arms, and let the man handle their own 
trauma exactly and and what a relief what a relief right, right? What kick, a relief. kick back your feet for a change what a relief in that moment because it's our job yeah. to continue these conversations it's our jobs to you know when we are in the barbershop when we're out on the road when we're going out when we're about to do whatever it is that we do even in strip club yeah i think like it's really an understanding of what is before you <laughs> wait how do you how do you be responsible and you know why? You know why? I'm about to say like something crazy. How do you be respectful to a woman in a strip club? Here you go, miss. I'm, I, th- I believe you no, dropped a dollar. No, not even like that. I'm thinking I'm I'm almost. Well, that's funny. <laughs> but I dropped this dollar. You dropped a dollar, ma'am. Can I just? Yeah, I'm just gonna tuck it right here in this waistband if you don't mind. Well, absolutely, because you have to ask for what? Right. Consent. And I can say no in the middle. Uh, exactly. But the reason why I'm saying even in a strip club is because I think it's about the mentality. Yeah. I think that it's about the approach and understanding that like no matter women are, whether you're a sex worker, whether it's your mom, it's that there's a line, there's a and thread through all of these women right. and it's black femininity, it's black uh, women in front of you and as a black man, then what does that mean for you? Right. How do you react? Probably who, who self-control, you right? You know, self-control, um, protecting her because mm-hmm. maybe there's a, another Altavada man in there Cra- being that you crazy, may have to right. roll up on and be like, yeah, Altavada. Right. And you are a black man. We don't act like that. You know what I'm saying? It's not respectability politics. It's just more so just really, really appreciating and nurturing and loving. And I think that if we take a little bit of time to... Sorry. One more thing I want to hone in on Dwayne Wade and having a transgender girl Mm -hmm. is that he moved from having someone who probably he understood to be as a boy and having to really break down the walls of how you approach that boy with nurture and take that same thing and convert that into something that's probably softer and, and something that probably has to be a little bit more accept well a lot more accepting and something that an energy that is unlike a mm-hmm. woman and unlike a woman like a maybe a gabrielle will right. experience and unlike the man that maybe one of his boys and probably is in the house changing consistently and changing and moving and understanding what exactly is coming and what ex- what exactly are we growing here mm-hmm. and in that ex- unique experience he is so special. Yeah. He is so necessary. His customization and his layering of black masculinity needs to be taught. Yeah. Because he needs to talk about his experience so that he can give another layer to the conversation. Also give other black men the tools that they need to have these experiences. Because you don't only experience transgender women on TV. Right. You don't only experience transgender women on your timeline. You experience transgender women in real life. Whether you know More it or so not. More so than any other place. Whether your ass knows it or not, mm-hmm. because not everybody looks like I don't know, fucking like what you think they should look mm-hmm. like. A lot of transgender women look like a myriad of things, a myriad of of looks. Whether that be from other cultures, whether that be different hair textures, or whether that be m- muscles, or whether that be none, look exactly like you know right. you think a cisgender, you know, woman mm-hmm. would look like. So our ideas of even what it means to be transgender will continue to get broken down and defined on actuality as we have more men speaking up, more men who love transgender women speaking up, more women who love transgender men speaking up, more people who have who have been living in these mm-hmm. in-between spaces who haven't been able to speak yeah. up. He's so, so he's, valuable. He's, and, and like the true definition of a masculinity, a man, you know, not fearing you know like really taking this shit head on leading this shit Uh, it's so many things that he's doing that is just exactly what a man you know like yes yes and another thing is that a lot of what people don't realize about a lot of successful black men is that a lot of successful black men are married Mm -hmm. there is a source of feminine energy 
in their lives that quote unquote hold him down. That so shit is a, real. A lot of people, a lot of people out here, they running around and they 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 listen to these motherfuckers' music that's calling everybody a bitch and a hoe and telling you that black women ain't Don't shit. Don't they go home to and their they wives? They go home to a black woman that is holding it down because the truth is, is that you need black women, you need that black femininity, you need black trans women, you need all of this energy around to make sure that your ass, the, the, your ass could be successful, Snoop. So the next time that you decide that you want to call somebody a dog faced bitch, just remember that without a Gail, without an Oprah, without these black women making a way for you a lot of these black women who've also been touched and feel some type of way so sometimes they just want to ask right all of the things that they deserve that grace and they deserve to have that level of respect amen so you know that's that's my thing with that and we're going to explore that a lot more once again when we have that live conversation because black masculinity has not been spoken about yet or or, or enough i should say in terms of like what it actually is and how much room it actually takes up and how much it should be taking up. And and all of the different ways that it shows up and how it looks. Yeah. You know, it doesn't it looks Yeah. I'm telling you, we're gonna kill this live show, yes. brother. We are gonna go in and I'm we're excited. gonna explore these topics and we're gonna get in that audience and we're gonna talk to a lot of these black men in particular and gay men and we're gonna talk about a lot of the miscommunications and a lot of the ways that we're gonna grow and move and move this thing forward. It's the age of the Aquarius. We're not fucking around. We are tired of this old, whack, homophobic, right. transphobic bullshit. We man, get here. your shit together. Exactly. We're here for liberation and we are leading the way along with straight men, black men, cis men, trans mm-hmm. Women. everybody is here everybody is doing doing it and i really really feel that and i get excited about that when yeah. i see people like Dwayne wade and when i see that black men will soften their hearts and tap into their emotions a little bit unhealthy as we see with snoop but tap into their emotions to show that their love for that other for that black man who passed away kobe mm-hmm. um so you know shout out once yes. again to the bryant family um you know we wish you guys cont- uh, uh, your, that your new normal is filled with as much love mm-hmm. and that you will continue to feel Kobe's presence as you know many of us will strive to do as well shout out to the Wade family for being an amazing amazing representation of what a future for many of us with aspiring yes. families can actually look like and for many of us who live vicariously through your family I'm wishing that we got that type of love and respect and acceptance when we wanted to just be who we were Mm -hmm. and for all of those people who look at that family and are jealous because haters you don't know what it's like to see that kind of love you don't know why they would do that you can't fathom that kind of love um you know we just wish you love and we Mm -hmm. wish that you will be introduced to a self-love that will only make you see Mm -hmm. only make you understand how easy it is to love somebody who loves himself you know, um, that's all I got. Yes, you better take us out with a sermon. Mm-hmm. Amen. I mean, you know, just it just is what it is because we need to be free. Yes. And if and if you know how it goes, if one of us ain't free, ain't none of us free. We got to We have to continue to work and just strive to be better. I know f- for me, I'm just trying to make sure that my credit stays right. I'm just trying to drink my water and go to the gym. Everything yeah. else is like a bonus. Yep. So when we see that men are giving the room for other people in our community to breathe and to live a safer life you got to give them props so yeah that's it's just being real but anyway 
What you got to say, brother? You good? I'm great. I feel good. I'm excited about this live show. Hello. I'm ready to get into this conversation. <laughs> and yeah, so 2020, this is our first episode. This won't be our last. Okay. Um, and we're Note coming that. out with some more stuff. So stay tuned. Um, Again, no at No Days Off TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get your um, tickets uh, um, through uh, Get Tickets on our page, and it'll take you to the Eventbrite. Um, you can also go to the City College for the Arts uh, and reserve your spot there. Uh, we have we're a little about seventy five percent sold through. I mean, okay. it's free, so free. Uh, so we have uh, some reserved seats left. So come out and come out, uh, come out, come out. Yes. wherever you are. Wherever you come out, come out wherever you are. Okay. Well, we love you guys, and you know what we say here: take yes. a little time to get to know yourself. Take no shit. Oh, cr- and take no, no days off. We love you. We love you. We love you. Love you. I love you. I love you. No days off.